Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. We're nearing the end of this worship series we've been in since Easter for all the season of Easter tide leading right up to Pentecost. We've been thinking together about the co-conspiracy of Galileo Church. The series is called Breathing Together, which is what co-conspire actually means in a literal kind of way. In our case, the co-conspiracy of our church is our way of committing ourselves to the mission of Galileo Church for one year at a time from Pentecost to Pentecost. And if you don't already know what that's about and are curious, you can find out more if you're in the barn by holding up your phone to that QR code on the green squares that you see uh, on those tables among you. Or I'm sure someone can put a link in the chat uh, to the place on our website where you can find out more about the co-conspiracy. So we've been talking over these weeks about the practices, the habits, the aspirations uh, of the co-conspirators of our church. And tonight, we're going to talk about the practice of being present the best you can at gatherings of the church. The gospel reading tonight is from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I just want to take a moment of personal privilege. Is that how we say it? When I'm just going to say something that's really more for me than for anybody else, I guess. Um, And say that my mom and dad are here. They drove up from College Station tonight. And and here's why. Here's why. My sister is the president of a congregation of the United Church of Christ, that is to say a sister denomination to the Disciples of Christ in College Station. And their pastor is out of town this weekend. And my sister preached for her church this morning. My parents went to church, of course, to hear her and support her. And then drove here to Fort Worth tonight to hear their other daughter preach. Because really, how many parents who grew up and still go to a Church of Christ can say they heard both of their daughters preach on the same Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really glad y'all are here. 
Thanks be to God. <clears throat> so have you ever said yes to something ahead of time, and then when the time came to actually do the thing, you resented the hell out of it? <laughs> Martha, Martha. She invited Jesus and his whole entourage to stay at her house. She said she'd draw some water so they could wash up while she made dinner. She said she had clean sheets enough for everyone. She said, sure, mi casa es su casa. She said it was fine. No trouble. She was happy to do it. And then she wasn't happy to do it. At least, she wasn't happy to keep doing it after a little while, after some hours spent planning and list making and shopping and fetching and chopping and butchering and heating and stirring and mixing and kneading and baking and washing and rewashing and tending and timing and tasting and carving and ladling and plating and serving and carrying and refilling and clearing. And oh my Lord, if there's a vegan and a gluten-free in this crowd, what food is even available to make for dinner? Now listen, the only way I want this story to go is somebody... Somebody says, Martha, Martha, that was extraordinary. You have done it again, my dear. Now take a load off and let us handle those dishes. Here's a nice glass of Pinot Noir with your name on it. Somebody really should have said that. Martha thinks her sister Mary should have said that. Maybe because it's a gendered expectation that this is women's work. I hate that for both of them, that Martha thinks it was hers to do and Martha thinks it was Mary's to help with. And I especially dislike a biblical story wherein two named women are pitted against each other. It is a rarity that we know both their names, that they were important enough in the imagination of the early church to be remembered when so many women weren't. And here they are in conflict, Martha naming Mary as the reason for her present suffering, telling Jesus that her sister should shoulder her fair share of the service. Now, it might be important for us to know that the word for Martha's busyness is diakonia in the Greek of the New Testament. Twice it's used in this little story. Martha was distracted by her many tasks, the translators say, or her big service, diakonia. And in Martha's own report to Jesus of all the service, diakonia, left to her alone. Diakonia is the word that gave the church the word deacon, meaning someone who serves the church, works on behalf of the church, quite literally in the first place, at the table, setting up bread and wine for communion through the ages, holding and distributing bread and cup to make sure that everybody gets some. And diakonia morphs in its churchy meaning over time, coming to mean ministry, generally. It lends some weight to what Martha is doing in her house, all that busyness, all those tasks, the translators say. 
She is doing ministry, the diakonia of serving the church that does not exist yet, but feeding the body of Jesus as a prefiguring of feeding the body of Christ. It kind of messes with the category of women's work, granting to Martha a role that the church later would deny to women, disallowing their participation in the work, the ministry, the diakonia of the church. Martha, Martha, you were granted a substantial role in the ministry of Jesus and in the development of the early church. We know your name. Your house in Bethany was known as a place of warm hospitality and safety for Jesus when few other places could guarantee him that. And the church remembered you as an archetype of ministry. Why wouldn't anyone help you with those dishes, sister? To be honest, it's Jesus I wish would get off his ass and roll up his sleeves. Martha, Martha, he could have said, I'm so sorry. I didn't see till you showed me how hard this is, how exhausted you are. Show me to the kitchen. Tell me what to do. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one at the table, but I am among you as one who serves? He actually did say that last part, also in Luke's gospel, just way on down in chapter 22, verse 47, when he's eating with his friends for the last time before his arrest. I am among you as one who diakoneo, as one who serves, he says, as he passes the bread, which is his body, and the cup, which is his blood. It's important ministry, this serving work. Sometimes it is Jesus's ministry. Or so he says. But there's Martha. Her cheeks flushed with effort and kitchen heat and perimenopause. You know it. Asking for help she cannot get. Maybe her mistake was the triangulation asking Jesus to order Mary into the kitchen, which my feminist Messiah would never do, both because he's a feminist and because he's got better boundaries than that. Still, though, did he have to shame her after she had busted her ass to make him and his buddies feel at home? Martha, Martha, he began, and I am telling you, if he took that tone with me, if he said, Katie, Katie, uh-uh, I am not here for that Messiah energy. Unless, Unless he can see through my flushed face, my agitated hands, my sharp words, unless he can see through the stress and resentment and exhaustion all the way through to my own sense that I'm only as good as the last thing I accomplished. 
only as loved as the last good work I clocked, only as deserving as the last list I worked my way through, unless he can see that I've been infected by a toxic Christo-capitalist cocktail of assessing my self-worth. You get what you earn, no more, no less. You prosper in proportion to your effort. Your worth and dignity as a human being depend on what you produce. If he can see all that in me, and if he says my name, because he knows it, with kindness rather than condescension, and if he invites me to sit with him, and if Mary scoots over a little to make some room next to her, giving my shoulders a gentle squeeze to help my body experience the rest it deserves, well, then maybe the dishes can wait. We'll do them in the morning, all of us together. For tonight, for tonight we're stopping. We're listening, we're learning, we're just being here now in the presence of the Lord. We say at Galileo Church that our co-conspirators practice presence the best we can at gatherings of the church. That's our way of saying, if you're a co-conspirator, we can count on you to show up. Just that, not sign up, just show up. It sounds simple, but it points to a big shift in the way many of us have previously thought about church. We have sometimes imagined that the church has ministry to do diaconia, the service, the work, out there somewhere. Like, in here is the church worshiping and enjoying each other's company, and there's this additional role we fill of benevolence or outreach or mission or whatever you want to call it. Think food pantries or soup kitchens, disaster cleanup or medical missions or Habitat for Humanity, all good things. What kind of ministries do y'all do? People will ask me sometimes. How can I get involved in Galileo's ministry? And it's a generous question. It's one that means, put me to work. I'm here to help. Where is that clipboard? Sign me up. It is every pastor's dream for people to come asking that. But you might already know if you've been around here for a while, or you might have begun to sense if you got here recently that we're really not trying to do church that way. Meaning, we don't see ourselves as exporting help to people out there who somehow need that from us. Rather, we have tried to make church a thing that just by showing up, you are doing lots of what God has asked us to do. Consider our missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people, which yes, sometimes means rolling up our sleeves to holler at our legislators, but mostly it means we're maintaining safe and brave and beautiful space right here where everybody can be exactly who God created them to be, to join in that good work, the diaconia of that missional priority. You just keep coming around, keep being part of the community that makes that real, your body, 
your voice, your full presence in this space, especially if you are the kind of person with enough privilege that you could go somewhere else if you wanted to. Huh? See, that's the work. We do kindness around mental illness and mental health and celebrate neurodiversity. And there's no clipboard you can sign up on to be kind. You just be here, show up, ask before you hug and receive the hugs you're offered, if you hug, and practice a kind of gracious flexibility while you're here so that no one has to be nervous about their own weird way of being in this world. Thanks be to God. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful, and you do, you are, by bringing your whole beautiful self into this space, on site, online. It just gets more beautiful the more of us there are. And real relationship, no bullshit ever. Well, obviously. That one is about 99% dependent on our presence with each other the best we can in each other's homes or on each other's Zoom screens, in G groups, and in the friendships that grow out of this infrastructure we've created and keep creating together. <laughs> Look, I am not saying anything terribly profound tonight. All of my profundity drained away early this week as all the language I have learned for lamentation paled beside the catastrophe of what happened in Uvalde, what's happening in Ukraine, what happened in Buffalo, the hugeness of the losses, the gaping wounds in our most basic sense of what it means to be human, to be part of the family of humanity. I'm just trying to communicate something Jesus might have meant when he answered Martha. Because it's something Jesus' spirit has surely shown to us, which is that Sometimes being is better than doing. Sometimes doing gives us a false sense of importance or comfort. Sometimes doing distracts us from the real thing, the main thing, the best thing, which is the possibility that simply stopping to hang out with Jesus, stopping long enough to really rest in his presence and making some room for other people to rest as well will yield even better results than all our hustle. Presence, the best you can at gatherings of the church. It will not always be the only thing we're asking each other for. This is a pretty DIY, DIY space, I know you have found. But it is pretty much a prerequisite to anything else we can do together, you know? I preached somewhere else this morning at a historical congregation in Fort Worth in a Gothic cathedral with a pipe organ that blasts hymns all the way to heaven. And in some ways that church could not be more different than we. But I told them the same as I'm telling you tonight, that sometimes what the church needs to do most is just show up for each other for our neighbors, and press ahead in our praise, even when it is muted and in a minor key, even when we are saying and singing more by rote than by belief in the moment. Honestly, the expectation that you all would be here tonight is why I got out of bed this morning. 
and comb my hair and brush my teeth. Your steadfast presence is a gift for which I am most grateful in a week like the week we just had. Martha, Martha, I think he meant to say, come over here, rest your bones, join the conversation. This is good work too, ministry even. And we would be so happy to have your help. Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and those who love them. We do kindness to those in mental and emotional distress and celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support the production of this podcast and the ongoing missional priorities of this church, go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Conspire With Us. You'll have options to use your Venmo or PayPal or use your credit card or bank account. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace.